We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 178. It's the second-to-last regular season podcast. Scott, it seems like forever ago that we kicked off the season in spring training. So much has happened with this team this year. Yeah, it's been an up-and-down season. It's definitely been more positive than uh, than negative. We had a, a slight lull. In the, it was bigger than slight. It was, it was a long lull in the middle of the summer, but they started with a bang, and looks like they're ending with a bang. So, very good things, you know. It looks like we're going for that wild card. Boston keeps winning after they lost one game, three game with what four to go. So looking tough. It's going to be an uphill battle. A glimmer of hope, I think, after the Yankees won on Wednesday. Excuse me, on Tuesday, and the Red Sox lost. That maybe they could push the Red Sox to the brink and maybe face them in that that tiebreaker that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Not that I don't think anyone even really wants that. Uh, for the Yankees to be playing two extra games to even get into the division series. But yeah, it just looks like it's just too little too late for the Yankees, who are playing great baseball right now. Yeah, the, the nice thing is, is that when the series comes around for this weekend, when the Red Sox have to play the Houston Astros, if, um, if tomorrow goes as planned, or today, Thursday, uh, and, the, and that series is it's a four-game set and they're you know, maybe three to two games out. Both those teams have something to play for. The Red Sox can't just keep losing games because the Yankees are still right there. And Houston has to win games too if they want to take advantage of home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So they're still fighting with the Indians for that. So both teams do have some incentive to go out there and play well, which is good news for the Yankees because Houston wants to play. Definitely. And that's an interesting dynamic between the Astros and the Red Sox, who are finishing the season with four games, and then they immediately play each other, at least they're set up right now to play each other in a five-game division series. So they're going to be playing each other for nine straight games. It's it's going to be interesting how those two teams work out that that those last four games of the season. Yeah, I'm curious as to how that's going to happen and like what the strategy and back and forth is going to be, because both teams obviously don't want to show all of their uh, all of their 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 fight and all of their weapons. I mean, granted, you can go back and look, and um, they've played each other, so there are certain things obviously that the teams know about each other. But at the same time, being that fresh and then knowing that you're going to have to go play that team uh, in a in a postseason series, I mean, it's it's a strange it's a strange feeling knowing that you need to win now 
But at the same time, you don't want to show enough because this team, you're going against them in a, you know, do or win or go home situation. It's weird. So on the back half of this episode, guys, stay tuned. Scott talked with Brian Kenny, who is making waves in Yankees Twitter right now. He is freaking everyone out with his idea to start Chad Green. So, Scott, you had to have a have a little talk with our man, Brian Kenny. Yeah, it was interesting. And obviously, if you listen to the show, you know um, my complete feelings about the sabermetrics and, and the advanced metrics. While I, I acknowledge them and I think they're important to use, you know, I'm, I'm just not all about people using them solely. And some, I think some, sometimes people go down too, too big of a rabbit hole. Uh, but actually, we had a really good conversation. I thought it was very interesting what he had to say. He has a lot of conviction in what he thinks. Uh, and, and as far as the, the types of numbers he looks at and why he looks at them and why he thinks they're important. Um, but yeah, so it was, a, it was a very good conversation. He's an interesting guy, and I think he's, a, he's a, one of the best at his job. So uh, we, were, we were definitely happy to have him on. I don't know what you think about it. I think I know what you think about it. And I, here's what I briefly think about this whole thing. If the Yankees didn't have Luis Severino or even Sonny Gray, then I would entertain starting Chad Green in the bullpen in a, in a game, do-or-die game against the Minnesota Twins. You only do that if you don't have one of the two best starting pitchers in baseball, which for at least the second half of, of the season this year, the Yankees have in Sonny Gray and Severino. And obviously it's going to be Severino in that game. And, you know, the other big thing is that nothing like this has happened yet in, during the season. This, this would be something very new to the Yankees and to these players. So that's, that's the other thing that gets me is like, why, why are we trying something new on a, on a one-game wildcard, game seven situation? It's just not the time to start tinkering around. And, and he acknowledges, well, well this, first of all, he acknowledges that this was John Smoltz's idea, <laughs> that he got on board with it, um, but realizes that, you know, this is something that is, is a little bit more forward thinking in this sense, but he does have some very interesting points about what's coming with the, the, the game of baseball in the future. And that, you know, situations like this, I don't want to give too much away without, you know, before the interview, the, the conversation I had with him, but um, we definitely dive down that little, a little rabbit hole talking about, you know, what's to come and kind of the trend of the way pitchers are looking in the future, because I do think he's got some very interesting thoughts on that. I love throwing ideas like that. Just throw them out there and let people talk about them. I think that that's awesome I think I think that's more though a Joe Madden managerial move than a Joe Girardi managerial move no definitely it definitely feels more Joe Maddenish. it's definitely something a little bit more out of the box and Girardi is very much in the box so but he has talked about and he's proved this season that he will bring some of these guys in in non-traditional roles uh, and I, I think one of the biggest reasons for that is because he's got such a you know an embarrassment of riches in the bullpen right now that he can afford to bring in a David Robertson in the fourth inning or a Chad Green you know as the stopper in a in a situation fourth fifth inning so you know he's got all of the weapons at his disposal which gives him a lot more options and you know a little bit more free to make those decisions you're gonna have to just take my word on what I'm about to say because this was before the podcast before you and I even ever met back in 2011 when the Yankees were playing the Rangers in the championship series and do you remember uh, Cliffley they had Cliffley at the time and he was absolutely dominating the Yankees once again in the playoffs he was starting game three at Yankee Stadium and I said don't start Andy Pettit against Cliffley because they're probably gonna lose one nothing or two to one and that's exactly what happened Pitch A.J. Burnett, let him get killed, and then let Andy Pettit go win game four so you wouldn't be in a do-or-die situation in game five. It didn't happen, and that I, I was telling all my friends at that point, so you're just going to have to trust me, and that's what I would have done as the manager back in 2011. Well, and I think there's, there's some merit to that because I think a lot of people will, and some managers will think this as well, is if you have a guy that's kind of a wild card, a la A.J. Burnett, then, that, that, but he's a guy that could also go out there and dominate on a given day, but then also blow up. Michael Pineda-esque. I think that's a little insulting to call him Michael Pineda at this point, but um, he's a guy that can go out there and dominate. So you go, you throwing him against a, a game that is most likely a loss because Cliff Lee's dominating everybody at that point. You know, I, I, I do understand the, the, the justification for a move like that. September 30th, There's uh, we mentioned it last week on the podcast on Monday's show, but there are some slight changes to the pregame party and the game time. Yeah, so the game, Major League Baseball went out and did a, a doozy of a move and something that the Yankees had never seen before because they had said that, yeah, it's a flex later, not earlier. Okay, cool. No, the game was definitely flex. Major League Baseball moved it to a Fox game, 1 o'clock, 105 on Saturday. So we are bumping everything up. Um, we have probably about 125 people coming out, which is going to be awesome. Um, we're going to the brewery beforehand. Everything is still on plan. 
Um, people are getting their shirts. I've been getting emails of people getting their shirts. Some people uh, ordered late and either, you know, hopefully we'll get them um, beforehand or I'm going to be bringing a number of shirts as well. I printed extras. So we'll try to figure all that out. Uh, but we are meeting at the brewery at 1030. They're actually opening their doors early. They, no, they don't normally open until 12 o'clock. And 1030, they're opening the doors so that we can get in there and uh, drink some beers. So we're working on a uh, food truck. No promises on that one, but we've definitely made some phone calls to get a breakfast food truck out there as well so that we can have a little bit of kegs and eggs. Absolutely. Breakfast beers is perfect to end the season, end a season that's going to take the Yankees to the playoffs. And we also have some good stuff in the fan shop. I saw some people tweeting uh, out the pictures of the Thumbs Down Guy t-shirt that they, that they just received. Yeah, so I went out there with a whole bunch of new designs for that. There have been a good amount of people that have picked them up, so I'm happy to start seeing them out in circulation. People are definitely pumped up. I saw pictures of, of uh, you know, the, the T-shirts in there, and they all look good. The prints look awesome, so I'm, I'm excited. People are, I'm excited people are excited about the shirts. Those are, <laughs> those were, I had some fun um, putting those together. So let's uh, go to the, definitely go to the fan shop, check it out. We have a bunch of new designs in there, too. I'm adding different clothing. I'm adding more hoodies, uh, all, all sorts of different sweatshirts, lots of designs going in the fan shop. You should see more ramping up for the postseason. So definitely check that out. A couple more bits of housekeeping items. Just want to set the groundwork for what Scott and I's plans are for the playoffs. Obviously, there's going to be a wild card game. We We will be doing an episode right after that wild card game. So you guys will have an episode talking about that game. And then we will do an episode for every game after that. Hopefully, there's many, many more games after that. We don't know. I don't want to jinx anything. I may have almost jinxed something at the end of last episode. But there will be an episode for every single Yankees playoff game that they play. Also, guys, call the voicemail line 646-480-0342 for Monday's show. It is the last one of the regular season. Let us know what your favorite moments, least favorite moments, most frustrating moments, or any random thoughts you guys have from the season. Again, light it up, 646-480-0342. Scott, one thing that I've noticed this past week is that the Yankees, not only are they playing well right at the right time, you know, maybe they're not playing 22 games win streaks like Cleveland, or they're not getting as hot as the Astros, who seem to be playing back to their early season form, but they're playing really well. They're gelling at the right time and they're having fun. They're doing these fake camera shoots after somebody hits a home run. They're doing the thumbs down. This team is gelling right now and it's happening at the perfect time. Dude, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with this fake interview thing. I think it's absolutely hysterical. I was literally, uh, I was tearing up. I was laughing. My, My wife and I were watching the game right before we started recording and freaking toe is out there with a Gatorade you know, like the bins that hold the Gatorades on his shoulder, getting up on the dugout bench, like getting all these different camera angles, like walking backwards, like getting a panoramic shot. I mean, the guy is just acting like it's a real camera. It's hysterical. The fact (laughs) that these guys are out there just having so much fun. um, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love seeing when teams, you can genuinely tell that they like each other and that they're having a good time playing because that, and I've talked about this and I've harped on this, Baseball is supposed to be fun. When you see a team playing fun, playing loose, that's when they're at their best and they have confidence. Like that is that is a dangerous combination for anybody who's playing this team. I don't want to see that if I'm the opponent. This is this is a different type of Yankees atmosphere than we were used to in the 90s and that doesn't make it bad. It's just different. This is a different group of players that they're all young. A lot of them grew up in the organization together or they came over in trades at the same time. So they're all connected in that sort of sense. So it's just a different atmosphere and I and I'm sure there'll be some people out there saying that this is stupid. This is not how the Yankees do business. Of course, I'm just making up a straw man right here. But I love this kind of stuff like you just said. No, and that's it. It's, it's, it's just huge. I mean, I think you can't... I tweeted this yesterday about how underestimated or how underrated um, being loose and having fun is because I really do think it's, a, it's an important part of a winning organization and a winning team. And we all know that if your team gets very hot at the end of September going into the playoffs, you can take that all the way to a World Series title. You don't have to be the, the best team on paper. But if you're playing the best at that moment and you guys are gelling the best and you have the most confidence, you can absolutely carry that and, and use it and, and throw it into a, a World Series title. You can, you can actually ride that momentum. Jacoby Ellsbury just had a bomb. 
<laughs> they're playing. They're playing loose, uh, which is great. They're playing loose in games that don't matter a ton right now. I know we said at the top of the show that the Yankees could still win the division, but let's be honest, that's a long shot. So it'd be interesting to see in that wild card game if they are this loose or if they do uh, sort of get tight because these are, these are guys that have not been there before. If they're doing this sort of stuff in the dugout after someone hits a home run in the wild card game, then hey, this team doesn't care. They're just there to win, and 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 nothing but nothing phases them, which would be awesome. No, and and the thing is, is that these guys have done it before. That like that's the oh, by the way, that was a foul ball bomb. <laughs> I thought it was fair. Okay, okay, the, John uh, Sterling. Yeah, it's exactly what I did. The um. These guys have done it before because they've won together in AAA, and and people are like, okay, well that's not the majors, that's not in you know the Bronx, it's not in New York. It doesn't. Like I, I get that it does matter. It's not that it doesn't matter, but these guys know how to win together. They know how to be in big situations together, and they know how to uh, handle those big situations and you know execute at that point. And I think you know we we talked about that in the beginning of the season on on how crucial that experience. Uh, not only the experience, but being together with that experience, because a lot of these guys are from those teams, that's important. And they can absolutely build on that because they, they've been through that type of situation before. And you've got, you've got all those young guys who maybe don't have all the playoff experience. You've got some of the veterans like Sabathia, who does have the playoff experience, and, and Gardner, who can lead this team right now, which is great. And Sabathia on Monday night in a makeup game, or excuse me, Monday afternoon in a makeup game against Kansas City, had a really, really strong start. At the end, it's going to be six-plus innings with three runs, but it was really six innings of shutout ball. Uh, Joe sent him back out there in a 6 nothing game for the seventh inning. You and I have discussed the last few weeks about Joe picks his spots with when he wants to send CC back out and push him a little bit. He figured with the score against Kansas City, who's pretty much out of the race at this point, I'm going to push CC a little bit. It's going to be the last start probably for him this season unless they make, unless, uh, they make the division series. Yeah, and I think a lot of that also comes from CeCe. I mean, you know that Girardi and CeCe have an open dialogue in the dugout when we're talking about a game like this, 6 nothing, going out for the 7th, you got another inning in you? You know, how, how you feeling, big big man? And he's like, yeah, I'm good. I can do this. I, 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 got, I feel great. So he's like, okay, go out. And then he gives up three runs, so obviously he pulls them. But I think at that moment, in that type of situation, he's going to rely on, on how he thinks CeCe feels because obviously he's looked good up until that point. And uh, this, just, we just have to have to realize that in the playoffs, that's probably not going to happen. Girardi's going to have a quick hook with Sabathia, which we're okay with if it's the fifth or the sixth inning of a division series game and he starts to feel that CeCe's getting fatigued. Go to Chad Green. That's what the bullpen is there for. Well, and that's the beauty of it. There's no possible way he would be going out for the seventh inning in, the, in, the, in a playoff game in that moment because Girardi knows what he has behind him. And, you know, in the, in, I think in that moment, playing the Royals in a game that, doesn't mean much for the Royals is a totally different scenario letting your guy go out there whereas you know you're in the playoffs then not a chance in a hell he comes back out we also had in this game for the first time ever and hopefully hopefully not the last time Aaron Judge Gary Sanchez and Greg Bird all went deep in the same game yeah that's fun to see I mean that's we've been waiting a long time for that we've been waiting for one for Judge and Sanchez to be hot together and, and then you add Bird to the mix. We've been waiting, it seems like, a lifetime for him to get healthy and just actually be a, uh, you know, a stable uh, player at first base and in, the, rota- or in the, um, the lineup. So it's awesome to see that because I have a feeling we're looking into the future. We're going to see those guys hitting a lot of home runs together. If, if the three of them going deep in the same game didn't make it move, then I don't know what will. It's true. That's, that's, that's the type of thing that will get you going as a Yankee fan. <laughs> um, Bird has looked great since he's come back, and he hit another home run tonight. Monday was also a milestone game for Judge, who hit his 49th and 50th home runs of the season, passing Mark McGuire. So now that record is clean, Rob Manfred. That record is clean. That's what we do. It's like uh, I've been watching this, uh, this new show on Netflix. I can't even think of the name. The Ozarks. Ozarks. Have you heard of it? It's, yeah, I've heard um, of it. Not seen it's it. It's with Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman, and basically his job is to clean money for the for the mob for or no for a cartel in uh, in Mexico. So that's that's exactly what the Yankees are doing. They're just doing their diligence to help out Major League Baseball, cleaning the records so that uh, Manfred and everybody in Cooperstown can be happy about the guys going in there and adjusting those names, scratching out the Maguires and and uh, eventually the Bonds of the world because that's what McGuire thinks. McGuire thinks that Bonds is the next to go. Yeah, I, I love how he's already calling. Well, he's calling it for the 73, right? Didn't he say 75 is not out of the realm of possibilities for this guy? 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's exactly what he was alluding to the to the home run record. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, we've been known to get ahead of ourselves on this podcast before, so Big Mac's doing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, hey, Judge was on pace for ninety <laughs> at one point, right? So we're good. I mean, seventy five is n- not a big deal. I mean, he's a that's, rookie. We we got a long time. That's child's play. So his September, which has been tremendous, and he's back hot at the right time, which is awesome for the Yankees, has put him back into the MVP talks. I think it's him and Altuve as the front runners for the MVP. I don't know where you stand. Yeah, I, I think that's the only. Those are the only two you can really look at. I I don't know why Ramirez gets thrown into this mix. It's just they're they're inferior numbers. They really are. And then uh, the other guy that was on uh, it's on a bunch of the graphics is is Lindor as well. So. Like to me, at that point, when you have two of the guys on there, you're washing it out. It's just it, the numbers aren't aren't as much as Judge. I mean, Judge is a freaking rookie, hit 50 home runs, and is just uh, you know having a ridiculous, unbelievable season. So, yeah, I, I agree. The, the two frontrunners, and I don't think I could get mad. I don't think people would get mad. I think people will get mad because Judge is their guy. But honestly, you you really can't if you look at the baseball stuff. Altuve absolutely deserves it. Absolutely. He leads. I mean, he doesn't have the power numbers that Judge has, but he has the hits. He has the the batting average and the war, which I know you love. And the OPS plus is tremendous for for Jose Altuve. And the Astros are one of the best teams in baseball and he's their best player. So I don't think it's it would be uh, any knock on Judge. And what I think will happen is a lot of writers will say, well, he's going to win the rookie of the year unanimously so I have no problem voting for Jose Altuve for the MVP which is a flawed logic but I just couldn't see that happening yeah and the other thing about the two when you're looking at this uh you know if it's an MVP race and you're looking at these two guys and you know you're you're obviously trying to compare them and that's what human nature does you're trying to to look at these two guys and see what their impact was with their team and then compare their numbers but they're so very different as far as the type of player that they are that it's it's nearly impossible to compare them as players rather than you know taking their performances individually looking at them and and then you know assessing them with, with their value for the team itself so I don't know it's it's just I think it's a more of a difficult decision because of um the variations in the in the style that they play um, and I don't know if you heard Judge's comments about when he was asked about the MVP, but we absolutely called it. He said, well, I'd rather be hoisting the, the World Series trophy at the end of the year than the MVP trophy. It's so easy to predict what he's going to say because all I have to do is think about what Jeter would say, and it's the same answer. <laughs> right. It's, we, we it's had, a simple logic. We had 20 years of training. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's nothing that's going to come out of his mouth that's going to shock me. Um, uh, Aaron Hicks returned from the DL on Tuesday and he basically was the star of the game on Tuesday. He robbed a grand slam in the first inning, saving Montgomery's start. It was the second grand slam that he's robbed this season. If you remember back in Anaheim, he robbed a grand slam. Um, I believe Severino was on the mound for that game. That was on the road trip from hell, but Hicks looked great. He's looked great since returning. He had two walks on Tuesday, plus a stolen base made the unbelievable catch and then hit a home run on Wednesday. So I think the big question with Hicks is does Girardi play Hicks or does he play Ellsbury in the wild card game? Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see and especially this week, you know, seeing how Ellsbury swings the bat if he if he if he does cool off and Hicks is coming in red hot, uh Girardi may not have a decision at that point. I mean, when you look at defensively, there's really no question at this point in their careers. I mean, Hicks is a far superior defender. You saw the athleticism with him robbing that home run. It was a ridiculous catch. I mean, literally stole it from the other side of the wall. And then we all know about his 105-mile-an-hour arm. So there's a superior, very big difference when you're talking about defense. And then, you know, he's hitting the ball well. So I don't really think, honestly, when, they're, when you look at the two players offensively, there's much of a difference offensively. I think Hicks has a little bit more power. Um, but that's, that's if Ellsbury's going well. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Ellsbury plays uh, this week. Well, the, Joe likes Hicks. That's the bottom line. He gets on base more than Ellsbury when he's healthy, um, and he's a switch hitter, which Joe loves as well. He loves sticking Hicks at the top of the lineup, so he's get, got more lefty-ready, lefty-ready options. No, that's true. That definitely helps him out. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, Ellsbury's been sat before, so. That's know, a, so that was going to be my next point. Is that it's, if not, you're old, Jaco- it's not new. If you're Jacoby Ellsbury, you Hicks went down with you get your chance to come back and you actually perform. You're performing and the Yankees are going to the playoffs. You're saying to yourself, "Yes, I'm going to have vengeance. I'm going to get retribution. I'm going to start in this wild card game." 
Joe Girardi's like, yeah, Aaron Hicks is coming back. He's got a six-day audition to see if he can take your job back, Jacoby. Yeah, and that's that's what's funny about it because you didn't <laughs> – I didn't see Hicks coming back like this fast and, and ready to go. Now, remember that the last time Hicks came back, he, he came out of the, ga- out of the um, gate very hot and then really kind of uh, leveled off. And, and it was actually just – he had some bad at-bats, if you remember, right before he got injured again. Um, like that week before, from what I remember, he wasn't playing that great. Um, so he seems to get out of the gate very hot. How long he can sustain that, that's, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to see if he can sustain that and also stay healthy because now we've seen this oblique go twice. You know, there's a very good chance it could go a third time. We've got four games left. Uh, I think Hicks will play in all four of them. And I think if he looks good in all four of them, he gets the start. And I think it's for all the reasons we just listed. And, and I think the defense is a big one. Not that Jacoby Ellsbury is a bad defender, but let's just face it. He would not have robbed that grand slam. That would have been a grand slam against Jordan Montgomery. And most likely Montgomery's out of that game in the first or second inning. And instead, Montgomery goes six innings and only gives up one earned run. And he improves his overall season. He ends his season on a high note. He's now 9-7 and seven on the season, 3.96 ERA. So his ERA dips below four. It's just been a tremendous year for Montgomery as a rookie who was who didn't even make the team out of spring training. He was starting in Scranton. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that, that catch made a world of difference for Jordan Montgomery. It literally saved his ass. Because he would have been out of the game probably in the second inning if he had gotten out of the first. Um, so the fact that he made that catch, it was a, it was a, a total game saving play. And then Montgomery was given the ability to, you know, go those extra innings and find his groove. And, you know, sometimes that's all a guy needs is to get through that first inning. First inning is probably the more, most dangerous inning for a starting pitcher. I think statistically it is. Um, so once you get past that and get into your groove, especially a guy like him who, who really, um, has more of a finesse game. Those are guys that really do need to get into their game and, uh, and can keep guys off balance. So it was huge. So you cannot sell short the defense. The defense is important, especially with the amount of firepower that's on this team. You need to play good defense. A bit of an interesting stat that I noticed looking up Montgomery's numbers this year. He has 2.9 pitcher war, which is second on the team behind Severino, who we're going to get to in a second. This does not include Sonny Gray, who obviously is higher than Montgomery, but he didn't do it all with the Yankees. But I was actually pretty shocked. He, Montgomery, as far as war goes, so sabermetrics for pitchers, um, your second favorite thing behind sabermetrics for batters, <laughs> he, uh, he's actually been the second most valuable pitcher to the Yankees this season. Yeah, and that's really interesting. It, it truly is. And when you look at his numbers, based on um, if you compare him to rookies as well, he's right up there. I think he's like one or two. Um, with, with rookies uh, pitch, that are pitchers. Uh, so the guys had a phenomenal year. I think people realize, don't realize that you, know, you don't usually come out of the gate smoking hot and you're, you know, you're an automatic ace guy or number two guy, number three guy. It's just not how it works. The pitch, pitchers need a, a, usually a, a few years to really get into their, find out who they are and, and to get into that groove. I mean, look what Severino, it took him a little bit to, to actually find his, uh, you know, his pocket and, and be able to get that confidence to be a, a good starting pitcher. So I think Jordan Montgomery is way in front of the curve when it comes to you know, getting right and, and being able to succeed in the major leagues. Uh, using your eyes, who would you say had a better season, Sabathia or Montgomery? Using my eyes. Um, I feel like this is a loaded question. You're trying to shame, you're trying to shame me. This, just, is public this is shaming. not a trick question, not a trick question, just friend to friend who, who has had a better season in your mind. Okay, so uh, I'm going to say CeCe. And you know what? I'd probably agree with you. So this is, this is a, a knock on these sabermetrics. But they've had very close seasons as far as pitcher war goes. And I don't think that's, a, that's even the best stat to use. It's just a stat to use. Um, but it's just funny how, how those sorts of things work out. Yeah, it just feels like CeCe has been in almost every game. I think you know, early in the season, he hit that, that, that like, what, three or four game stretch in a row where he couldn't get out of the third inning. It was like he was getting into trouble very early and couldn't get out of it. Um, and a couple of times he would get into trouble early and then, and then cruise for six innings. It was weird. Uh, but it really, I'd say since like the middle of June, I'm not looking at his numbers right now, but just from my memory, in the middle of June-ish, around that time, he really got into a groove. And CeCe's been very, very good for the majority of the year. Pretty much since he's come back from that hamstring injury. Yeah, well, definitely since he's come back from that, which is shocking. Because we all thought that, you know, there would be more of a complication, I think, from, uh, from the injuries. 
We also have to remember with Montgomery, though, he was taken out of the rotation briefly when they traded for Sonny Gray and Jaime Garcia. So he hasn't pitched a full season. So he's part of war is being available and and playing on the field because you can't rack up war numbers unless you're playing. Um, so that's also, a, I guess, a, a point in Montgomery's uh, favor for that. Well, yeah, and they're also, I mean, they were they were definitely monitoring his his innings. They're, you know, they were making sure that he wasn't going completely uh, over the top as far as the amount of innings that he's thrown because obviously this is his first year and minor leagues don't play as many games, so there's a lot more stress on the arm. They were definitely trying to monitor that at the end. We They were telling us that, plain and simple, so... Um, you know, there's, there's, it's just a very different, are you comparing those two guys? I mean, you're a guy who, who we thought was done <laughs> and is coming back and like pitching like he's, uh, you know, five or six years younger. And, and then you have a rookie. So they're very different scenarios. I think that Jordan Montgomery is going to be one of the most interesting players to watch next year. That's, that's not a hot take. I'm not trying to make a hot take. I'm just saying that the, the next step for Montgomery could be huge for the Yankees. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if he, if he is, the next very good left-handed pitcher for the Yankees, you know, for the duration, for a long time, and he just continues to get better. I mean, we're looking at probably what, like a, a mid-three ERA guy, maybe low-three ERA guy uh, that can, can go deep in a game and, and give you very, very good starts. I mean, that's, that's something that every single team wants. And pair him with other young guys like Sonny Gray and Severino, uh, you've got a great basis for a rotation. And Severino, in his final start of the regular season, struck out nine more people, 230 strikeouts on the season, which ties third most all-time for a Yankees pitcher, ties him with CeCe, which is also the most since 2011. We every week say that Severino is amazing, and that's why he's starting the wild card game and not Chad Green, but Severino is amazing. Severino is amazing. Um, we're, it was very good to see him bounce back on Wednesday night and get a, a good start under his belt because I think people were, I think most people dismissed what happened against Minnesota last week. But at the same time, you want to see him on his last start before he's going into a wild card game, get his, his mojo back, get, become like that old Severino that, that he looked like, um, obviously, for the majority of the season. And that's exactly what he did. He had one, one little slip up home run ball that snuck over the fence the rest of it he dominated and he looked like confident as hell amped up ready to go playing he was also doing interviews he's in in on the fake interviews love that my favorite stat on cc is excuse me on sevy is that this was the 16th start this season he's allowed one earned run or less which is basically half the games he starts he doesn't let the opponent score basically and that's beautiful that's exactly what you want that is exactly what you want (laughs) <laughs> that, that is the definition of what you want out of a starting pitcher is don't give up runs. That's Girardi's dream binder. That's it. There's and, only one page. And, and that's why I know it's tempting for we're going to get up to we're going to get on to this uh, Brian Kenny segment that you did with him. Unfortunately, I was not able to join because of work once again. Hopefully that won't be much longer as we move into the offseason. But um the reason that Severino, that he was tempted to start Chad Green is because you want Severino to match up against a Corey Kluber or against a Dallas Keuchel or a Justin Verlander. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, I, I get the premise, totally understand it. What I think is being discounted is that the Yankees do have other guys that can go in there and, and throw those games as well. It's not your, your, your number one choice that you absolutely want, but we have some pretty goddamn good guys behind Severino that can pitch. And I have a lot of confidence in Sonny Gray being that like that 1A, number 2 guy. Before we get to Brian, just want to remind you guys to rate and review the podcast in iTunes. We still, I know, are on the hook for reading some of them. Maybe we'll do that in our season wrap-up episode on Sunday as we're gearing up for the playoffs. Read some of those funny reviews that are coming in. So keep them coming, five-star reviews in iTunes. And also a reminder, call the voicemail line, 646-480-0342. Scott, anything you want to say before we get out of here? No, I'm pumped up for Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. Uh, lots of lots of uh, familiar faces from the first event, and then lots of new faces. I've seen. I'm seeing a lot of new names of people that signed up. So definitely pumped up to meet you guys and uh, just talk baseball and hang out. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a celebration of the season, and then uh, and then we got tickets for the wild card game, right? So we got about there's 25 a group of 25 of us going to the game. Um, there's some listeners that are that that have hit me up on Twitter that are going to the game as well. Um, so I was able to distribute some of those tickets. So I'm really excited for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be freaking going nuts for that wild card game. 
Um, and we will have a pregame somewhere. We'll figure out a bar, right, that we go to. <laughs> so we'll tell everybody where you know where we're going to be. Um, and then hopefully we can get a good meetup uh, before the game, too. Yeah, drinks will be had before that wild card game. Everyone in that stadium needs to be nice and lubed up and loud for that that crushing of the twins I'm hoping for. I want to feel that place shake. Yes, absolutely. All right, we'll talk to you guys in a few days. All right, guys, I want to welcome on Mr. Brian Kenny of the MLB Network. You can watch Brian host MLB Now weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard on MLB Network. Plus, the MLB Network is going to be exclusively airing two ALDS games this postseason. Brian, how are you? Thank you very much for joining us. It's good to be with you. You know, you've created quite the hysteria on Yankees Twitter and, and Yankee fans with some of the things you've been talking about lately with uh, how the Yankees should focus on this wild card game. And I think that should be the first thing we talk about. It's intriguing to me. And obviously, I think the, the, the cat is out of the bag with your opinion on starting Chad Green in this wild card game. Talk to me a little bit about this. Well, it, uh, this actually came about, one, you know, I wrote in my book, Ahead of the Curve, which was out last year, and it's in paperback now, but I wrote a whole um, chapter on bullpenning. So this is something I believe in. You know, I've got data to back it up. I've got, there's plenty of things to back it up, just common sense and just an evolutionary part of the game. So I've written at length about it, um, do lots of stories on it and looking at things differently, just in a lot more logical way of using a pitch, pitching staff rather than relying on 19th century tradition of putting a starter out there, pitching him until he's exhausted, and then pulling him out. Uh, so there's different ways of doing it. Now, specifically for the Yankees in the wild card, it was actually John Smoltz who came to me and said, hey, I want to talk about this on the show. It's right up your alley. I said, okay, what is it? He said, I think for the Yankees, uh, to, for them to win a World Series, which is their real goal, not to win a wild card game, but to win a World Series, they should not start Severino in the wild card game, save him for the division series. I thought, hmm, I like it. Difficult to do in the real world, right? I mean, I know what it, we know this. Sure. Uh, but it's a radical thought, and it, there, there is a, there's a lot of logic to it in. You know, where you are institutionally, you're the Yankees. And by the way, I don't always think I'm a Yankee fan my whole life. I don't think it's World Series or bust. No, you can have success winning a pennant. 1976 was not some failure. But, you know, getting, but the wild, being in a wild card game alone, a division series, um, yeah, no, that's not success for a team with a number two payroll for a perennial powerhouse, even though they just rebuilt very quickly and successfully. I don't think it's good. Now, do you agree or disagree with that? To the sense that the Yankees need to go for the World Series and not the wild card? I, I, well, and not be satisfied with, the, with this? Yeah, like that I think the difference between um, losing in a wild card game and losing to, in a division series to me for the Yankees is, is a wash. Makes I, very little difference. I think right now the way that the Yankees are, the way that they have built this momentum and are so far ahead of this quote rebuild curve that everybody expected i think it's 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 evident it's very important for them to get past this wild card game and actually get into a series for two reasons one i think the fan base now and the organization realizes that hey we do have a team that can compete right now that's why they made these moves for the bullpen and uh, at the trade deadline but at the same time, they have to get past this one game because their team, the way it is structured currently, is absolutely built for a series. This one game, we all know anything can happen. And right. I think that's where we differ in opinion because, I, you know, to me, you want to put your best foot forward to get out of this game because to win the World Series, you have to win the wild card. True. And yet I would say, look, I don't disagree with you. You're not talking crazy. That That's logical. Um, I would disagree in that. What happens next is you are playing, even though I think the Yankees are a good club, you are likely to be playing a, a superior team in the next round. Sure. The Indians are better. The Indians are The Astros are all... Sox might not be better. Uh, Yankees are better than the Red Sox right now, I would think. Uh, but you're, face, you're outgunned. So if you're outgunned, I think your best bet is to be fully loaded for that division series. Let's also face it. Uh, you know, you're playing the Twins. Right, <laughs> like, so, this is it's weaker wild card teams 
out there. And I'm not saying look past them or do anything. I'm saying you're throwing a lot of weapons at them, but you, you have an option to have Sonny Gray in your bullpen attack, which is what I would do. I would start Chad Green because that's my bullpen, uh, that's my bullpen philosophy, is that I want... My, I, want, I mean, he's a, he's a perfect opener, and I call him the opener, right? He's, a, he's not a starter. He's the opener. He opens up the game for you. He can go two or three. And the fact that the Yankees have this guy, it's outlandish. You know, he's so good. And you have him, and you can start, and you can go three innings. It's, it's, un, it's almost unfair to who you're playing. And then I would go with, look, if Adam Warren isn't ready or pitching well or Dylan Batances is shaky this week, like any of those things can happen, fine. Use Sonny Gray. Bring up, try out Sonny Gray for two. You only need for two innings because then you've got, you know, five more guys coming out of the bullpen just to get you, uh, what, five more innings. It's, it, it's, it's easy, and you're really making it unfair on the Twins. I, I, I think this puts you in the best position to win the pennant. You know, World Series, who the hell knows anyway, and who knows any of this. But put yourself in the best position to win the pennant, because I guess I do disagree with you in that Yankees losing in five to the Indians, to me, doesn't make a, a bit of difference. Between, not even oh, this year. Not difference. even this year. Yeah, not even this year. When no, there's zero expectations, okay? Yeah, small difference. First, look, I I have in my mind the, the visions of um, you know Jeter and A Rod in those final years losing to the Tigers mm-hmm. and losing these you know first round matchups and and it's like ah eh, you know and I'm I'm not a World Series or bust guy. I I think fans are Yankee fans especially are sophisticated enough to know that hey you're rebuilding this is this year is all gravy. They turned it around much faster than we thought. I think we're in agreement there. But you know losing to the Indians, which again you, you deal, Indians and Astros are are really loaded. So losing to them in the Division series, um, you know, the odds are not with you unless you've got your ace pitching two of those games. And, and I think that's that's absolutely right. I, I do agree that gives them the best opportunity. The the one thing about this is is that that I, I can't get past. And I don't know if when you're looking at the baseball analytics, and I know you're a big numbers guy and you really get into these metrics, but how I mean, how much are you actually using the eye test to to you know to go along with the analytics? Because when I'm looking at somebody, I'm also looking at the situation they're in. I'm also looking at the fact that Chad Green did start the year in AAA, had five starts, and pitched to almost a five ERA as a as a starter or opener. And, and, you know, when he's actually starting the game, then, you know, maybe he's not in the best position uh, mentality. I don't know. There's a lot of things that go into these, these situations. Sonny Gray coming out of the bullpen, that's a new place for him. So who's to say that he would actually, you know, his routines would be the same. He would get pr- uh, prepared the same way. His arm would be loose the same way it is uh, during a start. There's just a lot of these things. And we know how, how these guys get into routines and are, and are very strict to their routines um, for their success. So how do, you, how do you look at those things when you're looking at the numbers as well? Yeah, in the real world, again, if I'm really looking at this, and I've made the, I'm going to call it the John Spoltz decision, because <laughs> it's funny, people are ripping me. No one says anything to John <laughs> Spoltz. Well, John Spoltz is a Hall of Famer. You can question what John Spoltz is saying. So I'm, I'm bringing John Spoltz with me as a human Hall of Fame shield. Um, so uh, the John Smoltz, if you've gone the John Smoltz decision and saying we're saving Severino for the division series, okay, now that we've done that, if I think Batansis is still shaky this week, and Adam Warren is not up to snuff, like he's just off the DL and he's not looking great, and there's a lot of things that go into that, uh, the action on his pitches, his durability, how does he feel, how did he look, what's his command, all that, you know, and, and the results, everything, uh, then I'm probably going to go Sonny Gray. And if I, have, if I already know I'm using Sonny Gray in the wild card game, and Gray and Green are both like freaking out or, hey, I'm not as comfortable, I'm fine putting Sonny Gray as a starter and then using Chad Green. Look, the object is to win, not to get cute. So, yeah, in the real world, you make different decisions. Okay, so talking about the real world, Girardi has talked about saying he's not comfortable with starting Chad Green. You know, surprise, surprise. We know Girardi, it's not in his binder to do that. I do not think there's a chapter for starting Chad Green, unfortunately. Um, but Well, here's the, let me throw this in. Yeah. He, he, right, he's not comfortable with it now. Right. I can see a time in our lifetime, my lifetime, and I'm older than you, I think, my lifetime where this happens. And it's just normal, and we'll all be going about our business like it's normal. Right now, it sounds outrageous, just like it probably would sound outrageous to have your bullpen throwing more innings than your starters. You can't possibly do that. Yeah, until you're actually doing it, and then everybody just gets used to it. We operate like a herd where we're afraid to do something different in baseball 
life. This is what I wrote about in my book. We have a herd mentality. So I understand Girardi right now is uncomfortable doing it. I have a feeling, I don't know this for a fact, but I have a feeling Joe Girardi at some point in his managerial career, will be just doing this as a matter of course. I'm talking the regular season will be chot, ch- you know, trotting out a Chad Green type to open his game and then go to his long, you know, long inning slash starter. I don't disagree with you. I, I do think that there's a direction for the game of baseball to become shorter in the way that people, that pitchers are, 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 you know, having their outings. I, I do. I agree with you on that sense. I just, the timing of doing it in a one, one game wild card is I think where I think people are like, why would we do something different now whenever we've been doing something the same way? That being said though, Chad Green and, and talking about following the herd, we're looking at what happened last year and Joe Madden um, using uh, Rollis Chapman for different innings, Tito Francona for using Andrew Miller at any point as a fire extinguisher do you see that type of trend? Is that do you in real life? Do you think uh, Girardi will use Chad Green in that role? Oh, as a fireman? Yeah. You say? Yep. Yeah. No. That's look. That's the easiest fix in the world. Uh, that I, I wrote about that in the book too. That look. That's the. There's only a few inefficiencies left, like to take advantage of the dumb teams, right? Mm-hmm. There's a not, or dumb or tradition laden teams. This because everybody's kind of smart now. And let me tell you something, it wasn't that long ago that everybody was not smart, right? Every front office wasn't smart. Every uh, coaching staff wasn't smart. They just did things because that's the way they did them, and they didn't think them through. It's no longer the case. Everybody has a baseball ops department. Everybody is now is getting information down to their coaching staff. Coaching staffs have seen the light. You're dealing with smart people. And even a guy like I wrote about in the book, you know, Ken Bannister is a 50-year-old baseball lifer, uh, 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 Jeff Bannister, excuse me, Ken Bannister, <laughs> again, the animal Bannister, Jeff Bannister, the, the manager of the Texas Rangers, 50-year-old baseball lifer, looks like, you know, a Marine drill sergeant. He's, he's uh, constantly, you know, espousing Bill's principles. So it's gone throughout the entire sport. There's only a few things left that you can do right away and grab an advantage. And one is a relief ace. And that's 1970s style. I'm not, I'm not making something up. It's not mm-hmm. my idea. Not, I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. I saw, I saw Sparky Lyle do it. You know, I saw Raleigh Fingers do it. You can do it. Uh, Tug McGraw. You can do, I, I saw it with my own eyes. You can go back and take an advantage right now. The other one is bullpenning. And it's, that's more drastic. But just whoever your best guy is, Craig Kimbrell, uh, Jansen, whoever it is, you got bases loaded in the sixth in a division series game. Guess what? Game's being decided right then and there. You know, you're up 4-2, bases loaded, sixth inning, one out, two outs. What, you got a strikeout artist, an all-time strikeout artist in your bullpen? What are you doing saving him? It makes no sense. What should Joe Girardi do with Batantis at this point, being so close to the playoffs, given only less than a week now to get him straight and bring him in situations to hopefully get him back to his mind right where he can throw strikes? What's your opinion on, on, on the way Girardi should treat Batantis? Oh, I, you know, I think you just treat him normally. This week, you throw him out there, and then you make ruthless decisions. Because, again, the Yankees have six real guys out in the bullpen. Right. And, you know, at any given time, Chapman can look awful, right? We, mm-hmm. We've seen it right now. He looks great. Uh, at any time, I saw David Robertson look awful for the White Sox right now. Robertson looks great. So at any given week, a guy can have his stuff, have some pep in his step, have electricity coursing through his body, and then the next week he's flat. We don't know. So you got to go and, and watch, and then you might have to make a ruthless decisions come playoff time in that, you know what, Dellen, like, uh, until your stuff is electric again, we got maybe you need rest. I don't know what it is. Um, whatever it is, you got to try to find it. Either more rest, more work, something in between, whatever it is, because lately he doesn't have whatever it is, he don't have it. Yeah, and we saw Chapman do that, like you said, and, and Girardi you know, relegated him back to the fifth, the sixth. He was coming in mop-up duty. I mean, this guy was, was you know, a perennial closer, one of the best in the game, if not the best in the game for, for a very long time, and, and now he's pitching in mop-up duty and, and sixth and uh, the seventh inning in situations that he's not used to doing that. And for whatever reason, you know, whether that was what, what fixed him or it was just the grip, as he, he also talked about how he changed the grip on his fastball so he's getting that movement back, um, whatever it was, it seemed to figure itself out. So I agree with you. I think Batantis has done this before. We've seen it. We've seen him go through spurts where he's all over the place. I mean, that was the reason he is not a starter anymore was his fastball control. And he relies too much on the breaking stuff because he can't uh, throw the fastball over the plate. Now, when we're looking at a situation with the Yankees and the Twins, that's most likely as of right now, unless we go back to 2011 and the Red Sox choke it out and the Yankees take the division. But if we do look at next Tuesday, Yankees, Twins at Yankee Stadium, 
How do you how do you like this format? Do you like this format? Girardi came out and talked against it, saying that maybe it should be a three game series, um, and that they're you know if the the penalty being whoever comes out of that doesn't get a day off for the ALDS. What are your thoughts on the wild card as a as a whole with being a one game game seven for all intensive purposes? I like it. Um, I like it uh, on two fronts. I think it, it it and when it was first being talked about years ago. Uh, I, I really disliked it. I thought you can't possibly decide a season in one day. It's so unfair, and it is unfair. However, mm-hmm. it's unfair to the you know the fourth and fifth best team. So too bad. And so it had that consequence of hey, someone's going to get eliminated. Um, the fact is that normally a good team does make the second wild card, so it doesn't dilute the product, and it also makes it. And here's another uh, aspect of it that you have to take. Uh, seriously, it's a good TV show. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I've said this, like, every time the wild card pops up, I, always, I, I tell people if I'm on radio or TV, hey, you know what? You know that tonight it's going to be the Blue Jays and the Orioles, or it's going to be the Pirates and the Reds, or whoever it is, or the Cubs and the Pirates, and you know you got to watch tonight. You can't wait around. In a two out of three, you're like, ah, you know what? I was going to take my wife to dinner. I've got to work late. Oh, I'm going to be sitting there. You know, I'm not a Pirates fan, but it is the, you know, the, the wild card game. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see it, but I'm going to do something tonight. I'll catch game two tomorrow. You know you can't do that. You know there's one game. It's tonight. You've got to watch. And that's a strong case for this game. I, so I like from a, like a major league baseball perspective, you know, a league perspective, uh, and, and selling your entertainment product, I think it's worth doing. And you'll say, oh, but it's unfair integrity of the game. No, no, integrity of the game for the fourth and fifth best teams. Too bad. You know, then win your division. So I think for this sake, you can make it what turns out to be a C game one night and that's it. I think it's funny because I, I agree in the sense that it's, I mean, game sevens, nothing is better than a game seven. Everybody tunes in, no matter if it's, it's your team or not. When you're talking about the wild card, it's great for everybody else who's not playing in that game. <laughs> for the fans that are not playing in that game, right. their team's not playing in that game. It's 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 fascinating and, and thrilling to watch when your team is in that game. It's gut-wrenching and you want to vomit half the time because it's your season could be over in one game. And, and that's just, you know, traditionally, and we throw the word tradition around in baseball all the time, that's not how baseball is played. It's always a series. So I think that's why a lot of the people have a problem with it. Um, and this year being that the Yankees and the Twins with the Twins – you know, when you look at the two teams, it's I think it's pretty clear that the Yankees are a better team, uh, and that the Twins are 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 not to the to the same level as the New York Yankees up and down that lineup. So the fact that the Yankees could get taken out by the Twins in one game, you know, I think rubs people the wrong way. When we're looking at yeah, the the the, the, un, yeah, the unfairness definitely is if there's a gap between the first wild right. card and the second wild card. That's where that's where there's real unfairness, and that's uh, an unfortunate part of it. And actually, the, the, the some of the Korean leagues, I think I read some of this, where they have um, the Korean league does a two-game wild card, and the lower seed actually has to win both games, whereas the higher seed can advance by winning one. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's interesting. interesting. Um, we're looking at the American League teams. Ten of the 15 American League teams are below 500. Do you think this is a fluky season in the sense that we were just very top-heavy? Or, I mean, obviously, it doesn't help out baseball as much because the wild card you know, phenomenon to get these two spots is not as intriguing and as exciting as it has been in the past. Well, I think it is all also part of the sabermetric revolution in that now there's a better understanding of the economics of the game and a better understanding of team building and a better understanding of the win curve. We have a better understanding of players aging uh, and knowing where you are as an organization, knowing that you have a... We, we talk about it all the time now as far as wh- where are you on the... We never like talked about win curve before or window. You know How, old, how, how long is their window going to be open? And we know that exists now. And I think teams realize now that, uh, again, this, this is relatively new, where you're either in or you're out. You know, it's you and I asked Bill James like the beginning of the year. Hey, you know, the Yankees are trying to be in and out at the same time. And he said, if you're trying to, yeah, if you're in and out, you're you're out. Like you can't you can't do both. Now the Yankees actually pulled it off. It was pretty stunning. Mm-hmm. They made beautiful moves, and again, they can make more mistakes because their payroll is so high. And it's not just they have the number two payroll or used to have the number one payroll. It's that where they are as compared to most of the powerhouse clubs. They're just $70 above a lot of teams on a regular yearly basis. 
So I think they're the, they're the exception, but the rule is that you got, you're in or you're out. You are rebuilding, and if you're going to rebuild, the, the Cubs and the Astros just showed you the way. Tear it down. Don't be hanging around with Carlos Lee trying to, uh, Carlos Lee drives and runs. You've got to keep him around to keep people in the stands. Nope. Gut it. Stink. Stink terrible. Stink badly. Be awful and build something back that is more permanent, that's sustainable. So I think now that's what we see. I think the only 500 teams in the American League are playoff teams. And that's it. This is what we have. And look, it's just a, a bet. I'm not saying it's good for baseball. I'm saying it is. It be. It's yeah. happening. Yeah. You're in or you're out. Speaking of in or out, we're talking about the Emma, the uh, MVP race for the American League. It seems like Aaron Judge has gotten himself right back into the thick of it. How do you feel that that two-month slump right in the middle of the season will affect him? You know, if it's we're talking about three guys just for the conversation's sake, Judge, Altuve, and Ramirez. If it's between those three, um, you know, how do you think that slump will affect Judge? And then who do you who do you vote for? Um, it's a very close race, and I don't uh, I don't think there's a perfect choice. Um, which is good, right? Because we're not going to have uh, you know some nonsense where a guy doesn't deserve to win. I'd put Mike Trout in there as well. Sure. Mike Trout leads the league in run expectancy, leads the league in win probability added. Those are cumulative stats. Those pile up as the season goes on. He's been able to lead the league in both of those like you know pivotal uh, offensive stats, even though he missed all of those games. That said, like again, in the real world, if I had a real vote. Um, I probably wouldn't give it to Mike Trout because he missed so many games. And Judge and Altuve are such good candidates. I think I'm. I, I was. I, I think I'm leaning Altuve, but I'm. I'm. I don't think I could make a case either way. Um, and I'm. I'm not. I wouldn't be upset if either guy won. Uh, Judge is not only uh, a better power hitter. He is a very good right fielder. And he's a decent base runner. Altuve, though, plays a more difficult position. Um, doesn't get the same defensive run saved as Judge, but is probably, probably like in reality, a more pivotal, so to speak, defensive player. And he's an outstanding base runner. And he has been at the same level all year round. So, yeah, as far as uh, like what they delivered in the clutch, the advantage goes to Altuve, and I don't believe in clutch as like some sort of uh, characteristic you have that you bring with you everywhere. It's just what happened during the season. Um, so I would probably lean toward Altuve, but I- I'm not even arguing it. I'm d- I would say if I have to pick somebody, it's him. I'm completely fine with Judge given his offensive, you know, offensive greatness, and also just being a very good, well-rounded player. I'm completely comfortable if he wins too. Should the award be called MVP or should it be Best Player Award? I don't, value doesn't confuse me at all. I, I give it to the best player. Okay. And, and yeah, now, if, if Joey Votto isn't the best player by a wide margin, I would prefer to give it to a guy whose team is in the race and who wasn't playing games in obscurity. Now, I, I like Votto that he's, that he's done these, you know, he's basically he plays the season and has his at-bats for himself in front of nobody most of the year, right? It's, it's, this, it's this tortured artist. So I love it. And if, and if Votto was clearly the best player in the league, I, I, would, I would vote him for MVP. But if there's a bunch of guys right there, like Charlie Blackman, Paul Goldschmidt, and they're all about the same, then I would prefer that the guy played games that are, that are more significant to the pennant race. Brian, I really do appreciate it. I think you give a very, very interesting outlook on all this stuff. Before I let you go, one question. When you're assessing a player and and you're just watching baseball and you have all these metrics in the back of your head, but you're watching somebody, how much do you actually consider the eye test and and blend it with the metrics? Because... Oh, a ton. That's a, a ton. Because like, that's a big thing for me. I, I think that's one of the, the, the reasons I, I fight with, uh, with some of the sabermetrics people in the sense that some people are, are just so analytic-driven and only analytic-driven, they don't actually use their eyes when, uh, when assessing a player. And, you know, when we're, we're looking at we, we just mourn the, the loss of Stick Michael. I think he was one of those guys who was, you know, so good using his gut. I mean, he had such a good gut. Showalter was talking about him in, at great length. And I could listen to him talk about uh, Stick Michael for a long time. Um, but he also was, I think, one of the, the first guys to use the analytics and start looking at those types of things. So, yeah, that's, I guess, uh, what I'm wondering how you use both. No, Stick Michael was a brilliant baseball man. There's no question. Uh, and a great guy as well. And I would say, I would, here's, I've, I've actually, you've, you've forced me into a quote here, because I <laughs> I, now I think you've, crystal, you've helped me crystallize my thought. Okay. The reason I don't bring up the eye test in baseball and using it is 
it goes without saying. Like, of course. Like, if you're going to make any judgment on a pitcher, I did have a conversation once with a writer who was talking about a, a pitcher who changed his repertoire, and I thought, okay. I was like, and he's telling me what he what the guy was doing, and I was like, yeah. When I saw him last week, he was also doing this. I go, like, how many times do you, have you seen him pitch? And he goes, oh, I haven't seen him pitch. I was like, oh. And I thought, you really got to see him pitch. Like, you ha- like, all this happens while you're watching him pitch, and there are things your eyes are not seeing, but you, there are glaring things, obvious things happening in front of you that you need your eyes for. But again, I don't know any of the people that I really, whose work I value, any of the sabermetric founding fathers, I, don't, I can't think of one of them that would say, I don't need to see them play. I mean, it goes without saying that you need to see them play. I love it. Brian, you can follow Brian at, on Twitter at Mr. Brian Kenny on the MLB Network. And again, you can uh, watch him host MLB Now weekdays at 4 p.m. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Really do appreciate everything you do. My pleasure. Thanks. Good talking with you. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees.